Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew will continue his Bible study from the book of Isaiah with part two of his message entitled, Let Us Rise and Shine. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah 60. Now here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Isaiah 60 speaks not only return from exile, that is, return from Babylon, it also speaks about the first coming of Christ. Not only that, it also speaks about the second coming of Christ. So we want to speak about those truths that will be fully realized in the second coming of Christ. We want to speak to you about the blessed hope of the church, the divine hope as revealed in Isaiah 60. There is the divine demand, divine rationale, and we discussed the divine ultimate purpose. God does all these things that I may be glorified. But I skipped one, which is the divine hope. So I want us to meditate on that. Exercise your mind. Heavenly Father, we surrender our mind to you, Teach us from your word that we may become a people of hope. Hope that will not make us ashamed. In Jesus' name, amen. So our glorious hope, the blessed hope. The blessed hope of the church is what? The second coming of Christ. And so certain things are going to happen. Already it is happening, but it will be realized in its fullness when he comes again. First, we are told, look at uh, verse 15. I will make you the everlasting pride. We can translate it. I will make you everlasting glory. See, this is why I'm not seeking the approval of the world. The 15 minutes of fame. But here we are told that I will make. When God says I will make, he will make. You can count on it. We are destined to become everlasting what? Glory. All the glories of this world is fleeting. And yet people crave for it. They seek every day. Look at the temptation of Jesus. He was shown all the kingdoms of this world and its splendor and its glory. He said, I'll give it to you. You just worship me and I will give it to you. He said, no. Never sell your soul for the vanishing and evanescent glory of this world. Trust in Jesus Christ. God says, I will make you everlasting glory now the question is how does he do it we are told that he will not share his glory with anyone and he will not share his glory with idols but the truth is he will share his glory with his people let's praise God for it he will share his glory with his people so he first glorified his son. Look at Isaiah 49 and verse 3. He said to me, you are my servant Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. God says, I will 
put my glory in you. That is in the Messiah. In Jesus Christ. And now everyone who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will what? Glorify. He will make you shining stars. Everlasting glory. And you notice this already. Let's turn to chapter 44. Isaiah 44 verse 23. Sing for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, O earth beneath. Burst into song, you mountains, you forests, and all your trees. For the Lord has what? Redeemed Jacob. And what else? He displays his glory in Israel. So he displayed his glory in the sun. And he displays his glory in everyone who is related to him. By vital union. By trust in him. Oh, let's turn to Isaiah 60. And right there we are told about this. Look at verse 9. Surely the islands look to me. In the lead are the ships of Tarshish bringing your sons from afar with their silver and gold to the honor of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has what? Endowed you with splendor. That's wonderful, isn't it? He has endowed you with splendor. And he has endowed us with glory even now. (laughs) But there comes a time we will experience it. In its fullness. Look at Isaiah 61 verse 3. Listen to this language. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And verse 2. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion. That's speaking about repentance. To bestow on them what? A crown of beauty. In place of ashes. He finds us sitting in the dust. He finds us in ashes. He finds us sitting in the garbage dump. But he says, I'm going to do something for you. Hallelujah. I'm going to display my splendor in you. So notice, to bestow on them a crown of beauty. God became incarnate in Jesus Christ for this purpose. (laughs) To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of what? Ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for what? This is the final purpose. For the display of what? His Splendor. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm not going to get plastic surgery. Why should I waste my time? I'm not going to dye my hair. It is, uh, it's all right. Looks very nice. Don't you think? (laughs) But the truth is in me and in you, God is displaying his splendor. Hallelujah. He's placing on you a crown of what? Beauty instead of ashes. Believe it, it is the very word of God. You want self-esteem? Here it is. Hallelujah. For the display of his splendor. 
turn to the book of John 17th chapter and verse 22 Jesus is praying I believe that you have sent me I have given them the glory that you gave me see God displayed his splendor in the suffering servant and he in turn glorifies you Christ raised him up from the dead God raised him up from the dead he is ascended into the heavens he is seated at the right hand of God and where are we seated come on we are seated with him already Hallelujah. Let the despair and poor self-esteem and all that junk. Think only about what God is thinking about you. Think about what God has done for you. And will do for you. I will make you what? Come on. Say it. Everlasting glory. But not only that. We are told the second blessing is what? And the joy of all generations. It's another way of saying, I will give you everlasting what? Joy. Now, we are told about the pleasures of sin. How long? For a season. Apparently, it is saying it's not everlasting. Have you experienced the joy of sin? I'm sure you have. But oh boy, after that comes depression, guilt, misery. Lostness, countenance have fallen. But he tells us, I will give you what? Everlasting joy. Let's praise the Lord. Even now we rejoice in tribulations also. But we have our what? Ups and downs. We must confess this is true. But there is coming a time when it will be everlasting. Unending, constant joy. In the presence of God. And look at verse 16. Then you will know that I the Lord am your savior. Your redeemer. The mighty one of Jacob. Then you will know. It is not a theoretical knowledge. It is an experimental knowledge. It's a communion with God. Now even now we commune with God. Isn't that true? We are going to have holy communion. But there comes a time. We will have a communion that will be heavenly and in all its fullness. And we will know him as the Lord, as our Savior, as our Redeemer. We will not say your hand is shortened. It will say as the Mighty One. Hallelujah. And number four, look at the latter part of verse 17. I will make peace your governor and righteousness your rulers. Now I like that. No fear, no misery, no war. A state of soundness, shalom, without any interruption. And I believe I haven't gotten it from any commentators. They never made this connection which I'm going to make. I believe that St. Paul in Philippians chapter 4 Verse 7, I believe he is probably making reference to this statement. He says, Philippians 4 verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is real living. Peace. 
peace. Hallelujah. Peace. That is an experience we will have when sin is dealt with. When Christ comes again. When there is a new heaven and a new earth. Even now we experience in a measure as St. Paul is applying this to us. Peace will be the governor. Righteousness will be our ruler. Hallelujah. Let me confess you. You know there are times I get anxious and I get worried. But it doesn't last too long. All of a sudden the peace of God floods my soul. Hallelujah. And becomes the ruler of my mind. The peace of God that passes all human understanding. May guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The kingdom of God is defined in Romans 14 verse 17 as what? Righteousness, peace and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. We experience even now but in its fullness. We will experience when Christ comes again. Now look at verse 19 and 20. And if you read it carefully you notice something is repeated in these two verses. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, because the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again, and your moon will wane no more, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of sorrow will end. Now this is repeated in Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22. No more created things will give you light. That doesn't mean they don't exist. But the problem with created things is what? There's change. The problem in this world is flux. Everything is changing. I came home from the university and a mango tree that I loved and used to climb and and study on it. It's all cut down. My sister is no longer there. She is married. My whole world is falling apart. It's change. But no more change. The problem of mutability will be dealt with. There is going to be constancy. God himself will be with us. He'll be the light. I'll be your God and you will be my people. That's the nature of the covenant. It shall be fulfilled when Christ comes again. And we shall see him as he is. And we'll enjoy fellowship with him, communion with him forevermore. Something to look forward to, isn't that true? Let's uh, go to Revelation and read it and let us see what John is saying he is harking back to this passage Revelation 21 verse 23 the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of the Lord gives it light and the lamb is its lamp chapter 22 verse 5 there will be no more night there will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light life with God this is inexpressible joy 
Even now we experience it. I told you I get up in the morning and I start reading the scriptures with my wife and, and speak about the scriptures. It is it's joy unspeakable. Hallelujah. It's already it's wonderful. It's a great time to be with God. Let us look at another thing that will be true, and it is verse twenty. And your days of sorrow will end. Now, that's, that's going to happen when? When Christ comes. <laughs> and that's why Isaiah is seeing beyond even first coming. He's seeing beyond the second coming. And Isaiah already said this in chapter 35. And he spoke about a highway, verse 8, and a highway will be there, it will be called the way of holiness, the unclean will not journey on it, it will be for those who walk in that way. Let me read from verse 9, but only the redeemed will walk there and the ransomed of the Lord will return, they will enter Zion with singing, everlasting joy will crown their heads Gladness and joy will what? Overtake them. And then what? And sorrow and sighing will flee away. As long as we live in this world, there will be sorrow. There will be sighing. But the blessed hope of the church is there is coming a time when sin will be dealt with. Therefore, there is no more sorrow, no more sighing. No more groaning. This is stated in the book of Revelation. Revelation 7 and verse 17. If you are a Christian, you will rejoice in these statements. Revelation 7 and verse 17. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes every tear we have tears now isn't that true boy some people are blessed with tears (laughs) you tell them to do something then they cry (laughs) I think this is speaking about not that type of tears nevertheless this fallen world is characterized by what tears tears of sorrow but it is going to be taken care of Turn to Revelation 21, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. A new order, a new heaven, and a new earth. Hallelujah. Why not that uh, there is no more sorrow? Sorrow came from sin. Isn't that true? And the reason there is no more sorrow is sin problem is dealt with by the Messiah. Isaiah 53 tells that, that the Messiah died in our place. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him And by his stripes we are healed. He destroyed death. Our death. By his death. 
That's the reason. There is no other reason. Or turn with me to Isaiah 25. Here in verse 7, on this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples. The sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up what? Death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth the Lord has spoken. In that day they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. And that happens in its fullness when the new order will be ushered in. When Christ comes again. And let's... The last point I want to make is, look at verse 21. And what it says is not true today. It says, then will all your people be righteous. Not some people. Now, I cannot look upon you and say everyone here is righteous. I cannot say it. Because church in this fallen world is a mixture of righteous and unrighteous. But here a statement is given. Then what? All your people will be righteous. See we are talking about. A certain number of people. That God. Chose. From before the foundation of the world. To be holy and blameless. And in time. The Lord calls them effectually. And God justifies them. Everyone in that company of people that he has chosen from before the foundation of the world will be what? Justified. That's true. In the new heaven and the new earth there will be his people. Everyone will be what? Righteous. Hallelujah. Everyone will be righteous. So the question you must ask is, how can everyone will be righteous? The answer is given in Isaiah 53 and verse 11. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. Speaking about the resurrection of Christ. And now by his knowledge, my righteous servant will make many what? Righteous. See, this is why there is only one way to be saved. That is trusting in Jesus Christ alone. He is the righteous servant. He is the one who makes his people what? Righteous. There's no question the church in heaven, everyone is righteous. We call church triumphant. But when Christ comes again and when he ushers in the new heaven and new earth, this glorious God, will dwell with his people. Everyone will be what? Righteous. Let's praise the Lord. <laughs> everyone will be righteous. Not only everyone will be righteous, we are told here something else. They will all possess the land forever. Now you must understand that the land was God's land But it is given to people to enjoy 
Based on what? Obedience. Isn't that true? And they didn't obey, so they were kicked out. That is, covenant curse came into play. But there is coming a time when God's people will enjoy the land. What else? Come on now. Forever. This is speaking about God's people entering to the fullness of covenant blessings. Symbolized here in tents of land. I'm sure it is speaking more than land. I'm not against land. You understand that? But it is, it is speaking about the richness of all covenant blessings that you will enjoy. And the greatest covenant blessing that we will enjoy is what? Fellowship with God. When you talk about Ordo Salutis, when you talk about call, gospel call, God is calling you for what? For fellowship with him. That's what the purpose of the call is. And this is the blessing. Our hearts are restless until we get some land, until we find our rest in God. God has created us to enjoy fellowship with him. The cool of the day, God came to the garden. It is sin that disrupted that fellowship. Paradise lost, paradise regained, Today you shall be with me in paradise. And this is what it is. God's people will enjoy the covenant blessings. They will enjoy the land. How long? Now it never happened to the people of Israel. Isn't that true? Never happened. Because of disobedience and idolatry they were thrown out. Not so in the future. And not only that, take a look at it. They are the shoot I have planted. If you are a Christian, this is true of you. Who planted you? I have planted. You think if he plants, the shoot will wither away? No, not at all. He planted it in the right place, in the right soil, near the stream, and it will flourish and thrive. You will flourish and you will thrive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah You, he says, are the shoot that I have planted. And what else it says? The work of my hands. God saved you. You are the work of God's hands. And I suppose Saint Paul is making reference to this when let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. And it says here, For we are God's, King James Version, what is it? Handiwork. We are God's handiwork. We are his poem. We are the result of his work from beginning to end. Salvation is by grace. Hallelujah. For we are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has prepared in advance that we should do so. They are the shoot I have planted, the work of my hands. Are you insecure every day, wondering whether you will lose your salvation? Now, I have no problem if you believe that you will lose your salvation. In fact, 
I appreciate it because you'll be on your toes. <laughs> and the Roman Catholic Church uses it to keep them on your toes. Now, if you are the shoot that God has planted, if you are God's handiwork, you think you will lose your salvation? You think Satan will come and destroy you? You think somebody will come and snatch you out of God's hand? Come on now. Hmm? Come on. Are you secure? <laughs> come on. Are you secure? Yes. Hallelujah. You are the shoot of my planting. You are the result of the work of God's hands. And finally, you are the shoot of my planting. The work of my hands. And now the final ultimate purpose. What is it? For the display of my splendor. That means you are to glorify God. He is doing all these things for you. That you may what? Glorify. Let's glorify God. Let's praise God. Hallelujah. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio. Presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Isaiah. Come back soon to hear more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew. 